0: people now think oh we can teach you a process and we run the numbers i mean one of the things i absolutely test is this management by numbers and if you make a thousand calls dials a day and you get through to 20 people and you have a conversation with 10 of them and you get one lead and that means everyone should make a thousand dials a day that sounds logical but it's false logic because first of all you're calling the on people probably but secondly that potentially could work if you're the only person in the world doing it but when Fifty thousand other people are doing it also to the same people. The recipient to those calls get hundreds of calls a day from twelve year old SDRs that wouldn't know business if it bit them on the bum. Hi, friends.
1: Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now that was Steve Hall. Steve's a leading expert at selling to the sea level. And sales to the C-level, C-suite, whatever you want to call it, like sales everywhere, is changing. And that's really the topic of our conversation today. What has changed about selling into the C-level, and what do you need to know to become much more effective at this? So Steve and I dig into a number of topics surrounding that, including the evolving role of the C-level in enterprise decision-making. We talk about what are the things that are most important to the people at the C-level most importantly, too, what are the things that aren't important to them, we dive into how to prepare for C-level meetings. I mean, so your meetings with executives at this level, how do you prepare to make sure that they feel the meeting with you was a valuable use of their time and how it helped move the deal forward? And Steve shares some of his best practices for how to research and how to conduct these meetings and how to go about scheduling your follow-up meetings. We also explore when is the right time to start selling to the C-level. So a lot of great practical takeaways today in this episode. And before we get to Steve, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Steve Hall, welcome to the show.
0: Pleasure to be here.
1: And you're joining us from Sydney today, Sydney, Australia. That's right. Middle of summer. It's it pretty was, warm. It's warm today. So how warm is warm?
0: Uh, it's, it's warm. It's not stinking hot. So in centigrade, it was. It's going to be about twenty-seven. So oh, that's not horrible. No, but but it, it, it's it's also quite humid today. Got it. Got it. But you're. It's so like rain. Humid. No, no, no! It's just sometimes you know. Sometimes we get a bit of humidity. It's, it's. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm whinging. I'm, I mean, I'm a pom, so I'm entitled to whinge. Um, and, and, um, and it's going to be a beautiful day today. We, we've got thunderstorms later, I believe.
1: An Englishman for somebody who's not accustomed to the term pom. Yeah, I remember being in Sydney once uh, years ago on business with one of the most incredible lightning storms I'd ever experienced. Uh, I was sitting in my hotel room. You know, it happened. I guess it was later in the day, and it was it was
0: big. It was spectacular. Yeah, we, we did. We get we a fair bit of great lightning storms. We're lucky. We don't get hurricanes or many or earthquakes. Or we had one, but we do. We don't tend to get very extreme weather. But the thunderstorms can be uh, quite fun. And the fires. Oh yeah, we get a lot of those. Unfortunately, when yeah. lot of them, a lot of them from the lightning strikes.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. So. Well, good. Well, we're going to talk about uh, selling to the C-suite or selling at the C-level. So, a lot of the work you do is revolved around that. So, the C-level means a lot of different things. I mean, it's so in your work, do you focus on selling the C-level at more at the enterprise or for small and mid-sized companies
0: or or all? Well, I'm going to give you my catch-all answer for any sales questions, which is it depends. It depends on... (laughs) It depends on the client. It depends upon um, what you sell. It depends on who you sell it to. It can be anything from the CEO of a major public corporation down to the owner of a $10 million business. Um, and in a public corporation, C-level might not be the people at the top because if you're, for instance, if I was selling to um, to Amazon here in Australia, I'd probably be looking at the country manager rather than Jeff Bezos.
1: Mm. Yeah, it'd probably be a better better approach to take. Um, so, well, we'll get back to what the difference is between selling to the small versus the the enterprise. But, but in in this age of sort of distributed, more distributed authority, and supposedly more stakeholders involved in decisions, what's what's different about selling to the c level?
0: Well, I mean, one thing for one thing, they're much easier to find. You know, if you if you if you're trying to sell to an organisation and you want to sell to the uh, IT manager or a uh, or a particular department, they're, they're much less out there in terms of public statements. Uh, much they're much more challenging to find. Whereas you know, it's pretty easy to know work out who the CEO, the CFO, the COO are. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing. And the other thing is they tend to um, look at value from a strategic perspective. So you, you're looking at selling strategically. At that level, whereas mm-hmm. pe- people lower down tend to be more transactional and operational. So, again, sometimes you need to sell transactionally. So, it depends what you sell and who you sell it to.
1: Right. Yeah. And and, and, uh, and I think this is sort of a critical question as to what level you should sell at. Because, yeah, there has been for years. I mean, you, <laughs> I think you and I are somewhat contemporaries in terms of when we came into the sales game and so on. is is there is always this huge emphasis of selling into the C-suite. You had to sell into the sweet suite, suite all the time. Is that really the case?
0: No. No. As I said, it depends yeah. what you sell. If you if 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 you're selling something that's you know that's hundred thousand dollars. There'll be people. Different people have different levels of authority. Uh, the 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 level to which you should sell is the person who has the ability to say yes or no um, when on, at approval level. How do
1: you determine that? Because this is, I think, a, a challenge for a lot of people. Because I, I agree, is, and I've written about this in my books. Is, is, I've tried to provide a sort of easy, easy uh, way for people to sort of decide or determine, let's say, who they should be selling to. What, what's your rule? How do you help
0: people determine where they should sell? Well, I mean, you look, you've got to look. You've got to look at where you sell. You've got to look at the people who benefit most from what you sell. You've got to look at the type of company and the specific companies. When I say type of company, I mean you can talk about a bank, but there's a there's a local regional bank that might be doing you know a few hundred million, and then there's a massive bank that could be doing billions. So it's the type of it's the specific business, um, and you've got to look at who. Uh, to use a technical expression, has their balls on the line if things go wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So all 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 of those come into it. So there's uh, the, the, one of the problems we have in sales. I was actually right reading your, your interview with um, Mike Weinberg. And I thought it was excellent. And and one of the things that um, we have a problem with in sales is people make these broad brush statements as if. This rule applies to everybody in the world. It doesn't. (laughs) No, it
1: never does, as a matter of fact. Yeah. But this is but isn't this this is such a trend in sales these days, though. look, we're gonna create a persona about your series of personas, then these represent, you know, who we're supposed to sell to, and we're always supposed to sell the same way to these people. And
0: it's bullshit. I mean, the the the. the but look, having a persona is better than not having a persona. Sure. But the fact is, but the fact is, a persona is not a person. And I liken the these. Um, Track the buyer's journey and um, you send different things at different stages of the buyer's journey. That's like a, using an electronic sheepdog to try and herd electronic people down a particular path.
1: <laughs> I love the analogy.
0: That's great, <laughs> uh, and it, it doesn't work because people are people. And 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 even right. within, we, you know we talk about the buyer's journey as if there was such a thing. I mean, as if there was a defined buyer's journey. And you go and you work for um, Facebook, and you say, "Well, in Facebook, our buyer's journey is this." And there's no such thing as the buyer's journey. There's the, how do we solve this problem journey? And mm-hmm. that involves a lot of different people in an organization and they all have different viewpoints. They all have different things that they focus on the things that are important to them and they all move at a different pace. So yep. if it's a, if it's a, if there's a journey, it's, it's more like a riot than a journey.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you remember the, the, uh, diagram Gartner put in their buyer enablement study about the buyer journey, it was, it was, uh, which they denominated by jobs that need to be achieved, not you know specific process per se. But yeah, it was it was helter skelter all over in terms of the where the the flowchart flowed.
0: Yeah, and, and 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 it's and it different people progress at different rates and miss out steps. You know, no no one sits down with a Gartner chart and says, okay, this is the journey we're going to follow. No, well, you can't. It's not a straight line anyway. Yeah. Yeah. They start, off, they start off saying, okay, we've got a problem and it's, it's in it, or, or an opportunity, and we've got a problem that's a big enough priority for us to have to do something about it because we've got thousands of problems, but which ones do we actually care about that we want mm-hmm. to do something about? And then they say, okay, what, what I call a generic approach are we going to take? And I usually, always use the example of um, a, a very typical problem. We're not making enough profit. That's a pretty high-level, C-level sure. problem, isn't it? Okay, how many different potential ways are there to solve that problem I mean, there's thousands, mm-hmm. you know. So, so they say, okay, what's the cause of this problem? It might be that our goods, our products are useless, or we charge too much, or we don't charge enough, or we haven't got enough customers, or, or our expenses are too high. There's a heap of different things that it could that, that could cause that problem. Yes, and, and a combination
1: you, of those things. Yes,
0: exa- exactly. And it's not until they say, okay, well, this is the key thing that we can do to um, to solve that problem, and that key thing that could, could be, okay, we need to sell more. Simple as that. How do you solve that problem? Well, again, you sack salespeople or you hire salespeople or you do a heap of other stuff. And then eventually they come down and say, okay, well, the specific um, solution, this specific part of the specific problem is we need to buy an AI solution, right? And at that stage, they bring in, bring in the minions, as I call them, and they say, okay, we're going to look at AI solutions. Go out and do your research, Right. And they go out and do the research, and they come back and they say, "We've talked to these people and we've looked at what's out there and this is what it's going to cost us. And when they've gone through that entire heap of stuff, you eventually get a qualified lead. but a qualified lead is the end result of a process, not the beginning of a process. Go mm-hmm. ahead,
1: I, I, I agree 100 percent. go ahead, i'm I'm just smiling here to myself because I, I like what you're saying.
0: Yeah, so, so you know, if you're out there looking for qualified leads, I did some work a while back for one of the largest software companies in the world. Um, and they said to me, look, we want to get into senior executives. They didn't really know why or how or anything. It was just, you know, that we, we'd we worked for one of their partners and we got them a heap of meetings with some mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. some high-level executives and they say, hey, how come we can't do this? So I said, pick up, you know. Pick a um, an, an industry, a niche, and they said, "Okay, well, how about travel and entertainment?" And I said, "Travel, okay, what's that? Oh, airlines and theme parks and um, um, hotel chains." And I said, "You do know that hotels don't think they're theme parks, you know? They're actually different industries." Um, but anyway, we we came to an agreement. We t- targeted a particular industry. We got them a, a heap of meetings. But they didn't really know what to do with them because they didn't want to talk to senior executives to build a relationship to understand their strategies and then to work out how they could help them. They wanted people who were looking for a customer satisfaction solution right now and, and then. Right. So, you know, so if you, if you if you are going to sell at sea level, you need to be thinking strategically, and you probably need to be thinking long term because the, if if you've got a target market of, I mean, you know, it's different in the states. In here in Australia, we've got you know, a couple of hundred really big companies. But if, you, if you're if you targeting a particular type of customer, your ideal customer, then only a small percentage of them are going to be looking for what you sell or are going to have problems that you can solve at any one time. Right. So what do, you, to, what do you do with the rest? Do you say, oh, well, we're not going to sell to them? Or do you actually get to talk to them, get to understand their problems, nurture them until at such stage as they do have the problems or the problems get annoying enough that they have to do something about it? And my preference is to... Is is to focus on the customer rather than looking for the people who happen to be looking for what you're selling right at this moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. Focus on accounts, not leads. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. It's it's building to your point. I mean, in Australia, but it's, I think it's true if you're selling into any sort of you know, target market that's going to have sort of a finite number of accounts that you sell to, especially in larger companies. Is yeah, you don't talk to them only when. They've got a problem.
0: Well, absolutely, because I mean, first of all, they've got lots of problems. It, depending on what you're selling, it comes better, it depends. There's probably lots of problems you can help solve. Um, the question is, when one of those gets to a stage where it's important enough, then you know you need to be there. Like, when, when I got my first sales job, I was forty two when I got my first proper sales job, and the guy right. used to work. Yeah, yeah, the guy used oh gosh i spent um until I was about um twenty seven I took drugs and sm and drank a lot and then um and did lots of odd jobs i have mm-hmm. worked manual laboring picking fruit cutting metal all sorts of things and then I worked as a medical vet which isn't really selling because you're detailed you you' know, right. there's no prospect or anything uh, and then I came here and um i actually applied to i b m for a sales job and I passed all their tests but then they asked them about my visa and i only had a, only had a holiday visa so I ended up, <laughs> So, I ended up going to Burroughs, Burroughs as it was then, and uh, they didn't ask. And they put, they put me in as a salesperson, but I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And after six months, I said, Steve, you're a really bad salesperson, but you're quite smart. We'll move you into support. And so I became a support person, then a project manager, then a program manager, then a professional services manager, and then I moved into marketing. So I'd been through all that, and it wasn't until I was 42 that I moved into sales.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I started work at Burroughs too. That was my first job, my first sales well, job. Well, there you go. Yeah um, I knew there's something I liked about you.
0: <laughs> so anyway, how, how do we go into that? I've lost track. <laughs> well,
1: who knows? Um, but, <laughs> let me, so, but let me ask a question. is, is given sort of the, the way decision making well we were talking about the buyer's journey, but I, I, we'll segue into this, as, but and we'll get back into it is is are you finding that the role of the c level person. Is it more often a decider or an approver?
0: Um, It's usually a decider. I'm sorry, usually usually an approver, but they also initiate the process. So you know, if you if you get a meeting with a senior with a senior level executive to discuss a p- problem they've got, they're not going to sit down and listen to you say, oh, "Well, that's wonderful." Here is a check for twenty million dollars. They're going to they're going to say, "Okay, we need to make sh- we need proof it works. We need references. We need to see how it's going to work. We need to talk about implementation and training, depending on what you are selling." Um, and they're going to send you off or your people off to talk to their people, but they initiate the journey and they finish the journey. So that's where you need to be talking to them. So selling at sea level is it's it should probably be starting to sell at sea level. Which probably describes it better.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask that question because yeah, I think there's a a time, and but also I think that that and we'll get back to this one point is I also think it's possible sometimes where you shouldn't sell to the sea level, uh, but we'll come back to that one. So so about timing because this is this is one that. I hear a lot people talk about a lot as is, is, yeah, what's the right time to talk to the sea level? You're saying start at the beginning, and I think ideally that's true, but if if you can't make that happen, what's you know in the process, where do you see that as being maybe the second most optimal
0: spot? Well, I mean, you need to get to the sea level if if the sea level is involved in will be involved in making a decision on whether to go ahead because the sea level basically has four four options. they can go ahead with you. Go ahead with somebody else. Do it themselves, or not do it at all. Mm-hmm. They're the they're the options to look at in the C-suite. And um, if they, and, and as I say, they they normally initiate the initiate the process. If if we're talking high value um, deals, where well, it's you know the, the, a, a lot of money, so they initiate the process. If you can talk to them, then great. You, but you, I mean, you, you have no real control over the timing. You might be able to shift their timeframes a little bit by doing a bit of challenging or by giving them some idea of the benefits of doing things sooner rather than later. But you can't really make a huge difference as to when they have the problems that they have. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you're if you're targeting a particular group of companies and you want to get into one company where you think they're likely to have issues, you can help them with. Um, if you start at sea level, if you can start at sea level, it's not always possible. But if you can start at sea level, then the timing is what the timing is. And if mm. they're halfway through the process, then they're halfway through the process. And if they're not ready to start yet, then the question comes: Okay, what do I do now? Do I get, a, get an introduction to the people lower down who are dealing with this problem? Do I nurture the, nurture someone um, until such time as they've got a problem? Every situation is different. But in terms of timing, they set the timing. You don't.
1: Yeah, and I was just talking about timing to to connect with the sea level. I I think it's to your point. I think it's always the time, <laughs> you know, especially yeah. if you have a, a targeted group of accounts to build those connections, start having those conversations. Um, you know, it's 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 funny. I've you know I've been in situations where working with clients where like the sea level on on the client side, had an opportunity to meet with C-Level on the potential customer side. They are my client. And they were reluctant to because they thought it was like premature. And I'm like, no, 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 no. When you have the opportunity to make these connections, you always want to make these connections.
0: Absolutely. Because Gosh. it's not about
1: the opportunity. It's about being there, building the connection, building credibility uh, as a potential source
0: that they want to talk to when the moment arises. Uh, absolutely, I mean, you know, one of the biggest sales I made—the um, the COO of a eight billion dollar company in the in the states or UK actually—wanted um, to meet the president of our company, not to look at how the software worked or anything, but to look him in the eye and say, "Will you support us if we get in in, in trouble?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, at the at the end of the day, it's a, it's, a, it's it's still about relationships. I'm not saying you can people will bar with off you because you've got a good relationship, but they won't. Well, they shouldn't buy off you if you haven't got a good relationship. Um, because that's a huge part of making things work, especially in complex sales, where there's, you need goodwill and you you need cooperation between buyer and seller. Yeah. I mean, all those things,
1: yeah, AI, machine learning, all these things notwithstanding, which are useful, and it almost sounds like a cliche, but it, it, it's funny, it's, it's, I feel increasingly like I have to say it, is that sales is a people business. And The quality of the interaction you have with another human being is still could be the decisive factor in their decision.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, everybody thinks in this data driven world that, well, it's all about the data. It's all about, you know, it's like, yeah, it's all about the data until there's risk involved and a perception of risk. And at that point,
0: people want to talk to people. Well, but you know as well as I do, people make the emotion, make emotional decisions, they and they and, and back them up using logic. Um, so, you know, if, if the logic says do this and your heart says do that, you either do nothing or else you go with your heart. In most cases, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. I'd, I was um, just wanted. To, I'd had this thing, I'd device, I'd created about how to determine where in the organization you should sell. And it was just a little simple quadrant chart um, with an x-axis and a y-axis. So there's four quadrants. And the x-axis was the strategic importance of what you're selling. And the y-axis was cost and complexity. And I would just have clients and salespeople plot, okay, where does this opportunity sit? Because it sits in the upper right-hand corner then you better be talking pretty high in the organization. You know, if you're in the no. lower left corner, it's going to be more transactional, and it's just a, it was a simple device for a seller to visualize. Oh,
0: well, yeah, I guess we're not calling at the right level. We need to be higher up. Yeah, well, I like I like simple. I mean, you know, simple is good. And I mean, if if you're talking to the C level, you're talking strategy. Period. They don't care about the implementation, or they don't know about the implementation. They don't know about the technology. They don't know about the bits and the bytes, or the or whatever it is. And they don't want to. They leave that to other people. But what they want to know is: this is strategic? How is this value? How is this going to help me achieve my KPIs and my bonus? And they're and and they're based around financial metrics, the balance sheet, the profit and uh, profit and loss statement, mm-hmm. uh, regulatory requirements, risk, safety. Um, they're the, they're the things that they care about at, at, at sea level, um, and yeah. the nuts and bolts they care about much further down. and they, you, you need to address the nuts and bolts. you can't ignore them. but if you're talking sea level, you're talking strategy. Well, I think it's an interesting point because I was,
1: you know, as I was sort of reading through some of your things and and thinking about it is, is yeah, you know, what are the things that sea level care about? and you just mentioned some of those. But also, it's getting back to a point we talked about earlier. You have to ask yourself, well, why? Why does a C-level exec agree to meet with a seller, right? I mean, on one hand, they could just talk to their their staff, right, internally, who's involved in more of the nuts and bolts that you talked about it. So, what do they want to hear from the seller that they can't learn or haven't learned from their internal people?
0: Um, well, f- my my mate Jacques Schimas in 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 Paris, he says that. Um, they actually like speaking to good salespeople because they're a free resource until such time as you spend money. And their salespeople can help them solve problems with ideas and viewpoints and, and, and offerings that they're not aware of. So there are benefits to the C level person speaking to someone that can teach them something they don't know, give them insights they don't have, talk about approaches they haven't, haven't thought about. But the number of people that are actually capable of doing that is relatively low.
1: Yeah, I think Gartner had a survey a few years ago saying that you know, roughly 80% of C-level execs said they found little to no value in meeting with sellers.
0: Yeah, well, the same survey, well, I think it was Forrester, actually, the same survey also okay. showed that, also said that 80% of salespeople thought that they added huge value. <laughs> uh, and there's the rub. <laughs> right? Indeed.
1: That's, that's <laughs> right. Well, so... If you're a seller and and you want to become the strategic salesperson, is be able to sell at the C level. Yeah, how do you assess where you where you stand, right? I mean, it's it's because it's not like we train people how to do this, I think, in a very effective fashion. And so a lot of it's you gotta take it on yourself. I I imagine you did. I know I I had yeah, some good mentors, but largely was driven by wanting to be more effective in those settings.
0: Well, I mean, look, I mean, I I was fortunate, as I told you, I didn't really start in sales until I was 42. So I'd I'd had a huge amount of experience working with senior executives from an implementation perspective when I was in support, from a marketing perspective. Um, So I understood, I didn't understand, I wasn't very good at sales, but I understood business. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I worked in a lot of jobs on the shop floor, so I understood business from a perspective of the person working on the shop floor, Right. from, from middle management, because I'd been a middle manager, and also from executive management, because I'd worked, dealt with a lot of executives. And I think, you know, I don't think you can take someone straight out of, um, Well, I've got, I've got a friend that you know the you know the model with um, the big consulting firms where they have the the silver hair like us goes it goes in and sells something and they, they wheel in the twenty um, four year old MBAs <laughs> right. to, to, to do the work and, um, right. and my 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 mate John Quinn calls them Irocs, idiots right out of college and. Um, <laughs> I uh, am writing, I'm
1: writing um, the, that down,
0: by the way. Yeah. And well you recording this anyway? And and they um, well,
1: I, I was one, I and mean, we all were. We all were idiots right out of college.
0: Yeah, that's that's right. And 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 people like that can't. They, they can go in and spot all the latest management series and things like that, which are based upon totally irrelevant um, uh, case studies of companies that are nothing like the one they're talking to. But in ter- to be able to talk intelligently business to a senior executive, you've got to be vaguely intelligent and know a little bit about business. And you also need to be able to have the capacity, capability of putting yourself in the shoes of the person you're speaking to. That's one of the most important and least understood skills of a salesperson, looking at things from your customer's perspective. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't just take someone straight out of college and say, OK, we're going to turn you into a, a C-level salesperson in a few weeks. Um, you can certainly do training that gives them an idea of the key Issues that keep I've something on LinkedIn the other day, and I said you know we, we, we focus far too much on product knowledge and far too little on problem knowledge, uh, and you need to understand the problems that your product solves rather than the product itself. I mean you need to understand both, but the problem's more important Oh
1: yeah, I agree one hundred percent I mean I think that that this is this is a, a huge gap that we have in how we develop sellers because yeah, I see very few instances if any. Uh, special over the last five ten years, of companies that are consciously trying to develop the business knowledge or the business acumen of their sellers, and yeah, there's certainly we're going to you know, do some sales training or we'll make some courses available, but there's this gap that exists, and and so I was thinking back, and I've asked a number of people on the show about it, and and it sounds like your experience is, is maybe similar to mine, is, is that's that knowledge you have to acquire yourself by being curious and asking questions to make sure you understand what people are telling you. That's how I learned. I, I started my career, as I said, selling boroughs, selling computer systems to small, mid-sized companies. I was almost always dealing with the CEOs or owners of the business. And I was just curious about how business operated. So I had this great tutorial because yeah, they would spend time. I'd ask questions, not necessarily about what I was selling at all, but about their business and so on. And that's how I learned.
0: Absolutely, I learned how accounts payable worked by spending by by working through the night until um, until five in the morning because um, one of my clients' accounts payable didn't balance, so we had to go in using these tools where you actually physically change the the, the files so everything matched. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that, and that 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 gave me a pretty good understanding of accounts payable.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, if you remember back in the early days—or well, not early days of Burroughs, but early days when I was there—yeah, we were <laughs> we would actually program the computers for the the customer. I mean, I wrote payroll routines and accounts receivable routines that they used to, uh, you know, bill people and and collect their money.
0: Yeah, so you, had to, you could only do that if
1: you understood what was happening.
0: Well, there were no packages in those days, of course. That was before the package software,
1: right? Not that we're that old, but
0: yeah, yes, <laughs> <laughs> not, not 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 as many. So, but, so, so you need to. So, to, to me, I've got heaps of books on sales. I've got some great books on sales, but to me, the what's more important is understanding business and understanding people. So, the, a lot of the books I've got are on psychology, on people, on mm-hmm. things, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think people now think, oh, we can teach you a process. Uh, and we run the numbers. I mean, one of the things I absolutely test is this management by numbers. Um, and you know, if you make if you make a thousand calls, dials, and you and you a day, and you get through to twenty people, and you have a conversation with ten of them, and you get one lead, and that means what you should make everyone should make you know a thousand dials a, a thousand day. Calls, right. Yeah, and that's that, that. That sounds logical, but it's false logic because first of all, um, you, you're calling among people probably, but secondly, that potentially could work if you're the only person in the world doing it. But when fifty thousand other people are doing it also to the same people, the recipient to those calls get hundreds of calls a day from twelve year old um, SDRs that you know, that wouldn't know business if it bit them on the bum. Well,
1: when you hear things written about or hear people talk about just how busy and how much digital clutter there is out there with buyers, the fact is, yeah, we've created it, right? Through the tools we have that enable people to make a thousand calls and to send hundred emails a day or fifty emails a day or whatever the number of the volume is, it's somewhat ironic that yeah, they've got a lot of crap in their inbox because hey, we've sent it. Absolutely,
0: and and the thing is that you know, you, you know how do you get people to read your email? Oh, cute headlines or sending it, send, send, send a, a cadence, you a LinkedIn message, then an email, then a phone call, blah blah. And that just that just exacerbates the problem. Um, but but on the other hand, if you know what you're doing, it's it's an a, a, an opportunity because if you do what everybody else doesn't, you stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, if I mean i yeah, you know, I don't do it very often. But if you write if you write them a letter, how many people send letters these days? How I mean, my yeah, my, yeah. My my, my preference. To, if I want to get onto a CEO, I call the executive assistant and say, "Hey, I want to speak. To, I want to speak to Fred. What do I do?" And they'll say, oh, "Well, can you send me an email?" I say, "Sure," and I'll send them an email. And I know they're going to read it because they just asked me to send it. Right. I mean, that's the easiest way to get someone to read an email.
1: Well, let's talk about that for a second. Is, is so, what is the key to getting meetings with the senior executives besides sending a letter?
0: Well, the key is the key is having something that they care about, right? If you if, if if there's if there's no good reason why they should want to speak to you, why are you bothering in the first place, right? But let's assume that they potentially have a problem that you th- think you can help them with. You've looked at their ten K or you've looked at what they're saying mm-hmm. in, the, in the in the press, and you know that one of their strategic objectives or one of their risk factors is is, is this, and you think you can help, right? Mm-hmm. So you need two things: you need a message which will make them want to talk to you, and you need a, you need a way to get it to them. And the message depends on the circumstances, but it could be you know we want to help you, um, we, we, we want to help you reduce the risk in your automotive department, for instance, or also increase the in, 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 reduce the um, downtime on your on your machines, or whatever it might be for that particular customer. Um, that's the message. And then the, the way of getting it to them, I hate to say this, but depends. Um, but certainly, it's not going to work with a a, a cold email. Um, I, I, still, I still like the phone. I'm sorry. Most senior executives, and one of the I said earlier, it's C mm-hmm. level executives are easier because most of them have executive executive assistants. Right. So if you call the EA and you simply say. Ah, hi, this is Steve. Um, I saw in your you know, your annual report says blah blah, and we think we can help you. Can I? Can we? we organise a call? And, and you don't ask for a half. You don't ask them to go to your calendly schedule and, and, and schedule it themselves because they've got better things to do. You say you know you basically say you can. I, I just want ten minutes. You don't, you don't ask for an hour because you know an hour of a CEO's time is worth you know fifty thousand dollars. You ask them for ten minutes, and if you can't persuade them in 10 if you can't persuade them in 10 minutes that you're worth a further hour down the truck i always use the analogy of boating do you sail at all um no no neither do i but i did learn to <laughs> sail on the charles when i was in boston on my way here but okay. if you if you if you want to get a rope between two boats you know one of those really big thick hawsers, i think they call them you can't pick with that up and chuck it so what you do you tie a bit of string to it and you a bit of rope to it. and You tie a bit of string to the rope and you tie a stone to the bit of string and you chuck the stone over and they pull in the string, then they pull in the rope, then they pull in the hawser. Mm. Uh, in other words, you do little bits. You don't try and go from being a total stranger to getting a one-hour meeting in, in, in one, one fell swoop. You do it a little bit at a time. You get them interested enough to read, see, listen to your message. You get them in curious enough to want to talk to you for five, ten minutes, and then in that five, ten minutes, you tell them enough, listen, ask the right questions, so that then they, you then get a, a longer meeting. I think
1: it's a, a great metaphor for it. Is is yes? Yeah, is, is people are so impatient these days, and I mean, may not these days. I mean, it's sort of been true in general, depending on the the personality of the individual. But yeah, if you want to be a strategic seller, if you want to sell. To a large enterprise, it's an investment, and you're investing in the connection you're going to make with someone. You're investing in being able to develop credibility and trust, so that yeah, this person whose time is valid at fifty thousand dollars an hour will give you more of it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I, look, I, I was lucky. I learned this because the first sales job I got was selling ERP systems, and um, you know mm-hmm. that's not that's not something that's you that you can sell quickly. You know, it, you know it, it's very much a timing issue, yep. and um, I, when I took over in charge of sales and marketing, after a few years, I, we made a decision to focus on a, f- a couple of fairly narrow niches because we were a small Aussie company. We only had 20, fifteen people when I joined them, and we were competing with the you know the the SAPs and Oracle's of the day. You know, you, I right. remember B remember B pics and things like that, um, and they were bigger. They were big American corporations or European corporations with lots of people, so no one was going to pick us, um, on, you know, for, for our size or for our, our, our references. So we had to have an edge, and the edge was we understood a couple of niches very, very well. And one was publishing, and one was consumer electronics. So I understood mm-hmm. the industry, I understood the problems, and I had. To but the market here is not that big, and we went, we went international and we sold a lot overseas. But, but in Australia, there's only probably a hundred companies that could buy it, and they weren't buying an ERP every year. So I had to take a long-term view. I had to write letters in those days to people about business issues, and sometimes I'd write a letter on returns management or on or on. Um, on handling rebates in um, in consumer electronics, just talking about the issues and you know and, and things like that. And sometimes people would call me two years later and say, "Oh, I got I kept your letter for two years. Can you come and see us?" Mm-hmm. Because in that particular circumstance, then you know you've you you've got to sure you've got to, sell to you've got to make your quota and sell something today, but you've also got a plan for the future. And unfortunately, with the high turnover of salespeople and of sales managers these days, there's not that much of it, because who knows if you're going to be there in a year's time.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it was always bad. It's gotten worse, right? I mean, especially from a customer's perspective, right? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I can tell stories from 30 years ago that customers were complaining about how frequently salespeople turned over. But I think the thing that's that's more pronounced these days is that there's no continuity at the senior level, and that turns over so quickly.
0: Absolutely, and and let's face it, it's destructive to the vendors too. Because when a salesperson leaves, they take with them their relationships, their contacts. Um, you know, they haven't really put stuff in the in into the CRM the way they should have done. And there's a heap that walks out of the door with them every time. And so, you know, it's incredibly short sighted to get rid of someone after a year when they haven't done made their quota. If they've started to build those relationships and build the um, and and. and and build that knowledge, but we're not measuring those things. You know, we're measuring activity. Are they making enough calls? Are they doing enough proposals?
1: Yeah. Well, no that that is generally true. That that mindset's changed quite a bit. Yeah. You know, let me. I wanted to ask you a question, because one I I hear frequently from sellers or you know, read people writing about it on LinkedIn as well as. So, let's say you're a strategic salesperson. You've got uh, you know this initial ten minute meeting with a c level exec somewhere on a count that seems like they're pretty strategic. When do you? When's the right time to bring in your senior level person?
0: Well, that's a good question. I've not been asked that one before, but I think it's a very good question. And I'm going to say it depends. Again, of course, mm, of course, yeah. Um, but I, I, th- I think I think that it's not a it's not a bad idea to bring them in up front. If depending on the relationship, I, I had. One uh, customer who, who their senior executive wouldn't get involved in sales. Now I, I left because it, you know you you know you know all these people. You're on the same that right? You won't get involved in sales. This is stupid. You know. Right. So so I, so I, I think early is good because it's not like they're going to go in there and try and sell. They're going to go in there and say, as a company, we're committed to helping you as a company. And if we and if we end up, but if we end up um, working together and we become your customers, you can call me if things go wrong. I'm there to back you up. That's what they're. That's what they're. What they're there to say. They're not there to do spin selling or ask uh, uh, ask discovery questions and things like that. But they are there to 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 give you the cachet uh, of of being someone that deals with those senior executives. So certainly you can take you, 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 especially if you, I guess you asked a question earlier. How do you learn to do this? If you can get the meetings, but you're not that confident, and you work well with your senior executive, you can go in and. Learned from them. I mean, a lot of what I learned um, selling ERPs was sitting, listening to my managing director, who would do the presentation because he was the person that developed the system and he understood business really well and he talked about all the business issues. And I just learned about our customers' businesses by listening to him talk to them.
1: That's really a great point, too. And I think that a great one for people to sort of take to heart if they're listening to this is yeah, if you're selling to bigger companies, you're selling to, you know, C level. You're still uncertain, we talk about listening, learning, understanding that's such a great way to do it. I mean, certainly at I had stages of my career when I was learning certain new things where that was invaluable to listen to like a company founder uh go in and, and talk to a customer on an early call because you just you learned absolutely yeah, yeah, that's one of the values of bringing in scene level people more. Early in the process, and I've is that I've seen this with sellers is they they want to bring in sea level person, but they haven't really they haven't convinced their people internally that they the seller really understand what the buyer is trying to accomplish. And so, what happens? You get the situation where you bring your c level exec in, and they start asking questions that basically show the customer that. Yeah, they don't really trust you <laughs> because they didn't think that you yeah, you, know, you understood these things or or were able to communicate these things to them internally. And that can be hugely destructive. So as if you're gonna use your C level people, yeah, you gotta be on top of your game. Yeah, you, you gotta make sure that you can brief them appropriately and that you truly understand what's going on with that buyer.
0: Absolutely. i mean we've also got to control them, I and I'll come back to that in a second but but the the problem is that um part of it is this is the selection of customers we you know we we, we don't understand our ideal customer profile at that well, and i'd much rather focus on Uh, a hundred well-selected customers where I know they're the right size, the right type of company, they're likely to have the problems. And then once I've gone through them, maybe move on to more. But I'd much rather do that than try and focus, if you can focus on a 1,000 customers or or prospects or 2,000. I think you're much better off really tightening the criteria by which you Choose your targets, and then going for them and, and, and understanding them. Again, it depends upon what you sell, but to, to a large extent. And the other thing you've got to be careful of with senior executive, with taking your own senior executives in, is they don't they don't go rogue. You know, if you do underst- if you do understand the customer, you have done your research, you've looked at their annual reports, you've, you've you understand where they are and everything, and you've got a particular objective. You've got to be sure that they, that, that your senior executive. You know, it doesn't go off in and, and, and um go in a totally different direction. You've got to brief them well, which means you've got to understand what you're doing, what the potential customer's doing.
1: Yeah. And it's okay as <laughs> as a seller, is if you can't trust your senior people to not go rogue, then yeah, you either need to have some really heart-to-hearts with them, as I've done from time to time. <laughs> so, so have I. Or you just don't use them anymore. Um, because, yeah, I've been in situations where I just couldn't trust the usual person that would come with me on calls. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to make do and learn how to yeah. do it myself.
0: Yeah, I had a situation where we got a new president, an Asia-Pacific president in a company I worked for. We'd been taken over by a much bigger company. And this new guy came. And then he went to one of my customers without telling me and told them all this garbage. I said to him, you don't go into my bloody customers and scare them. Keep away from them. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't get on that well after that
1: yeah yeah. I had one of those ones too, but he left before I did so. Um, yeah, so let, let's and we just have a few minutes left. but one of the questions or areas I wanted to get into is about okay, your seller, you're gonna meet relatively early in your process with sea level person on a, you know potential prospect. They're not qualified yet, but they may have some interest. Maybe the timing's right about preparing for that that meeting. And conducting that meeting because it can be sort of a make it or break it. If you really don't create a good first impression, if you seem superficial or one of the 80% that C-level people don't find any value in, then that's a problem. So your best advice for how they prepare for that?
0: Okay, preparation is most important. Um, Marcus Kalki reckons that you know you should you should prepare a minimum of four times as much for the meeting as the meeting length itself. But I think probably more. You need to understand what they care about, why they care about. You need to look at the 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 focus. You need to have a structure in advance. Uh, you need to have an agenda that you can agree with them, so that you can go and you can say, okay, um, you know, this is what I'd like to what what I'd like to achieve, and this is what I believe we should talk about. Point one, point two. Does that work viewers or anything else you need to be sure you talk about the thing that got you the meeting because if you got a meeting based upon the fact that you're going to talk about x and y you have to talk about x and y and not mm-hmm. p and q you have to um You have to have thought about the questions that they may ask you. You have to have thought about the questions that you are going to ask them, and they need to be intelligent questions, not what keeps you awake at night. Um, You need to. That should be banned from the face of the earth. That question. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, So you know, there's a. I've written entire articles on preparation, but basically, preparation is critical. You need to prepare the structure. You need to understand what they what they're trying to achieve from the meeting, what you're trying to achieve, what the next step is what tasks you'll give them, because at the end of a successful meeting, you mm-hmm. should have something to do, and so should they. So we haven't got time to discuss it now. We could do an entire podcast on preparing for a meeting like that. But Pete, meet, it, it's criminal to get a meeting with a senior executive and flush it down the toilet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have you come back and do that, because I know in a few minutes you have to go for a walk with your wife.
0: I do indeed. She's uh, <laughs> coming through the door now waving at me. so <laughs>
1: Well, we'll let you go. I mean, see, it's been fantastic. We'll definitely have you back. We'll talk about that. Preparing for those meetings, because I think it it is critical. Because there are various, I'd like to talk about in the context of the various meetings you have, right? There's that initial 10-minute meeting. That preparation for that is very different than what you might have for, you know, a mid-process meeting or something closer to the end. So, um, well, let's talk, let's.
0: I mean, you know, the, the the typical one is the final presentation to the capital expenditure committee, where it's a question of do we go ahead or not. That's a fairly critical meeting. Yeah, so we'll include that one too. Perfect. Well, Steve, thank you for
1: much very much. If people wanted to connect with you, what's the best way to do that?
0: The easiest way is LinkedIn. Um, my LinkedIn name is Steve Hall Sydney, or one word. And I also have a couple of hashtags I use on LinkedIn: Steve Hall, Sydney, and Selling at Sea Level. So if you do a search on Steve Hall, Sydney, or Selling at Sea Level, you'll find me, and all my connection, all my contact details are there.
1: And not Steve Hall, Hartlepool.
0: <laughs> it's a <been> bit too long. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right, well, Steve, it's been a pleasure, and we'll look forward to doing again soon. Okay, that's
0: great, Andy. Thanks a lot. Take
1: care. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm so grateful for your support of the show, and I want to thank my guest, Steve Hall, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul on iTunes, Spotify, or every listen to podcasts. If you could also leave us a rating or a review, let us know how we're doing. Well, we'd appreciate that. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help, and thank you so much as always for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.